Okay, what's cracking? Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the program. My name is Jim Rome. I'm live. I'm in Southern California. I feel like a million. Feel great. It's going to be a good day. In fact, it's going to be a great day. I know it. Let's get it. Lots to talk about. Mafia. I'm not even going to waste any time. Mafia. I know how you're living. I don't need to ask. Start dialing right now. Don't wait on me. Start dialing right now. Mafia. Bill's Mafia. one 8686 I could spend three hours on that game alone. I could spend three hours on your situation alone. I won't, but I can. Get up in here. one 636 8686 I'll tell you what I'm not going to do, Bill's Mafia. I'm not going to sit here and just talk and talk and talk about what's going on there and not get your reaction. All right? I'm not talking to myself. Mafia, call now. one 636 8686 You're there. You're in it. You're living it. I'm just sitting here in California. My own thoughts. I want to hear from you. I need to hear from you. If you don't want to call, just hit me up on the X at Jim Rome. Email me at Rome, R-O-M-E, at Habitate.com. You've got no reason not to call. On top of that, I've got a couple of interviews for you coming up at 940. A Kansas City Chiefs legend, Christian Okoye. He's a member of their Hall of Fame, actually. He will be joining us via Zoom. That's coming up in 940. Top of hour number three, a linebacker for the Tampa Bay Bucks, Levante David. Second hour, wide open. So you know where to find me. 1-800-636-8686. As I wait for your calls, Mafia, let me share a few thoughts, a few dozen thoughts with you. I mean, first of all, like, how does it feel watching that? Are you desensitized to it yet? Are you nose blind to the stench coming off your team yet? Because I know you've seen some stuff now. And as crazy and as absurd as last night was, you got to be getting used to it, right? In fact, you got to be used to it at this point. I guess what I'm trying to ask Mafia is, what is your rage level at right now because I know how much you care I know how badly you want it I know how much you love that team where are you on that scale like on this end this end of the spectrum hopeless resignation all the way to full-on Rick in Buffalo rage I called for McDermott's head after the playoff loss against KC but now I'm demanding for it like that dude He was way out in front of it, wasn't he? He was the first guy on this show saying it. When most were still defending him, McDermott, Rick was the one saying, man, I want that guy's head. I want that dude's head. It's on him. It's on him. Get me his head. Now, don't get me wrong. Y'all have every right to be right there with Rick at level 100 on the rage scale now. Keep in mind, when he made that comment, Many of you did not agree. I would imagine almost every last one of you members of the Mafia agrees now. I also understand that it's hard to get that worked up when you've seen that same movie over and over and over and over again. In fact, you could argue that that game last night was pretty much exactly what you would and should expect from this Bills team. Remember, Josh Allen actually summed it up best. But he summed it up best two and a half months ago. Not last night, but two and a half months ago. Remember that hideous opening week loss to the Jets? 
Remember what Josh Allen said. And again, this was back after the opening week lost. Same sh- Same place, different day. What do you mean by that? Can you elaborate on what you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, I can't. I, I hurt our team tonight. I cost our team tonight. And it feels eerily similar to last year, and I hate that it's the same. I do. See, that's the thing right there. That tells you everything you need to know. That was opening night. He said, same bleep, same thing. It feels eerily similar to last year. But he was talking about the struggles with the Jets right there. He wasn't talking about last night. Here we are 10 games later, and the same exact sentiments still apply to this team. When he made those comments, he was saying the same exact sentiments go back to last year. And now fast forward 10 games ahead, and nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. In fact, it's worse. It's worse because nothing has changed. And it feels worse. Something about last night felt like the beginning of the end, didn't it? The beginning of the end. Maybe it's not necessarily the end of this team's Super Bowl window because you still have Josh Allen, which I'll get to in a minute. Maybe not the beginning of the end, or maybe the Super Bowl winner didn't slam shut, but it might have slammed shut for Sean McDermott. Now, you know I'm not trying to take anybody's job away, although McDermott did take somebody else's job away. I'll get there in a minute. But there's going to be speculation about your job and how hot your seat is when you put 12 men on the field to block a potentially game-winning field goal that was missed. And you end up losing that game because of it. They're going to call for your head after something like that, no matter who you are. But especially if it's far from the first time you have blown a game in seemingly impossible fashion. In fact, impossibly devastating losses are almost becoming the signature of the Sean McDermott era. And that pretty much is the worst signature you can have. There have been way too many games under this regime that have ended with broadcasters in utter disbelief at how the Bills just managed to snatch a defeat from the jaws of victory yet again. Clock at seven, the ball put down, the kick is up, and the kick is no good. He misses wide right. He misses wide right. But there was a flag on the play. 12 men on defense. Five-yard penalty. Oh my goodness on the Bills, the penalty. They'll get another try. Denver will get another try. 12 men on the field. What is going on right now? Will Lutz will now try a 36-yard field goal to win it. Ball put down. Good snap. The right-footed kick is away and good right through the middle. Dead solid perfect. And Denver wins it. On a walk-off field goal, 24-22. Harlan and Tucker, two legends. And my guy Ross was pretty much thinking the same thing we all were in that moment. What is going on right now? What is going on right now? 12 men on the field. I mean, seriously? After 13 seconds. Mafia. After 13 seconds, now we have 12 men, 13 seconds, and now 12 men. 
That right there is some Raider bleep. Oh, and by the way, the Bills now have the same record as the Raiders. And they actually have a worse record versus AFC teams than the worst team in the AFC, the Patriots. Mafia, this is what we're talking about. Buffalo also took two timeouts in the lead-up to that field goal miss. They could not have had more time to figure out how to jog 11 guys out there to stand around and watch a field goal sail wide right and win that game. A game they did not deserve to win in the first place. A game that they actually appeared to have won that they had no business winning. And yet still somehow, some way, they did one of the dumbest things ever to lose a game. A game they just won that they had to have. 12 men? How the hell could that possibly happen? Just put 11 guys out there. None of them had to do a damn thing except line up. And you steal a game that you have no business winning. All you needed to do was have fewer than 12 men on the field in that game. In the most important moment of the game, just have less than 12 guys out there and you win. I mean, undisciplined much? Dysfunctional much? I'm not going to say that McDermott single-handedly cost him that game, but hell yes he's going to wear that. Hell yes he should wear that. Hell yes that seat is getting hotter and hotter. Hell yes he has to do something to deflect the criticism. And hell yes, I would be very concerned right now if I were offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. Wait a minute, Alvin. Breaking news. I said that I would be very concerned right now if I were offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. Go ahead all together now. If you're getting ready to go to work, you are not offense coordinator Ken Dorsey. You're getting ready for work right now. You're getting ready for You are not Ken Dorsey. Because Adam Schefter tweeted earlier this morning that Dorsey has already been broken off. If you're getting ready for work right now, you are not Ken Dorsey. If you're getting ready for work right now, then you're probably not Doug Collins. Listen, here's the thing. Right about now, he's unemployed. Not a shock. The Bills are just another team. And not a very good one at that. And now he's gone. Hey, Sean, I see you working. There's some solid CYAing. That should buy you what? I don't know, a few more hours? Look, somebody was getting rolled over that debacle last night and for what that team has become. McDermott, though, is just doing what Chris Carter told him to do. You know, find himself a fall guy. You got to have a fall guy in the crew. (laughs) He's got one. Dorsey. Dorsey is the fall guy in the crew. Hey, Bills fan, like, I know that you hated that guy. And I know that you wanted Ken Dorsey fired for weeks. I know this has been an ongoing thing. But you can't blame 13 seconds on Dorsey. And again, how do you go from being a legitimate Super Bowl contender to, well, this? And how is this bleep still happening under Sean McDermott? How is this team this undisciplined? How did this team not get cleaned up after the 13 seconds fiasco? How was that not the toughest lesson ever about closing out games? How are you still finding new and insane ways to lose games? How did you not learn anything from that? And just when you think that he and they can't look any worse, check out McDermott explaining after the game 
that they specifically practiced for this very scenario in the week leading up to the game. We practiced two or three times that this week, the substitution from, from dime to field goal block. Uh, and at the end of the day, uh, we didn't execute it. So it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable no matter what. But even more inexcusable that you practiced multiple times for that very same thing. And it still didn't matter. In fact, it's more than inexcusable. It's borderline fireable. Borderline erotic. There's nothing erotic about that, except for the opposition. It's very erotic if you're a Bronco. It's very erotic if you're anybody lining up against the Bills late in a tight game. Then it's extremely erotic. Let's rock. Broncos country. Let's rock. You know what's not erotic? The way this team finishes games. The way this team finishes games, it's almost like McDermott is trying to get fired. McDermott must think he's got some kind of Jimbo Fisher buyout or something. Look, I'm not trying to put this all on McDermott because it's not all on McDermott. Even though he already fired Dorsey to cover his own back. You know what would help? It would certainly help if Josh Allen would stop throwing it to the other team. It would certainly help if Josh Allen would stop putting it on the ground. It would certainly help if Josh Allen would stop reverting back to forcing things that aren't there and trying to do too much. Fact is, he is not taking care of the ball. And he is hurting the team. He leads the league in interceptions. He leads the league in turnovers. And it's not just because of injuries or a lack of weapons around him and the fact that he needs to win games all by himself. He's making bad decisions again, and it is hurting the Bills, period. I'm not saying it's all on him. It's not all on him. He's not the one who let a receiver get behind him late in the game and then run into him. So, no, it's not obviously all on Josh Allen. Just don't tell me that none of it is on him. Because he's not taking care of the ball, and it is hurting the team. And his take that south of Knicks is better than Javier's is still hurting me. His play is hurting his team, and his take on Mexican restaurants is hurting me. Have you been Javier's? Oh, yeah. I've so been you a know. few times. All right, yeah. so really quickly, so they know, because all I do is talk about Javier. My guy Javier, it, does this live up to the hype? Is that not the best place? It, I don't know Wait. about the best place, but it's up there. Uh-huh. Have you tried south of Nick's? I have not. Okay, that's it's. There's one in Laguna, and then there's one in San Clemente. Oh yeah, no, okay, yes, okay. yes, I have. In Laguna, I, I have. I, I love Javier's, but I think I might take take South the Knicks over it. I might be crazy. R- though. Respectfully, dude, you'd be wrong, but you get you you are entitled to your choice, no matter how wrong it is, dude. But I appreciate it. I'll let you win this one. Right, like you guys let Denver win last night. Again, not all on Josh, but don't tell me that none of it's on Josh. Don't do that. He's not taking care of the ball. Again, he leads the league in turnovers. He leads the league in picks. You know who actually is playing much better? Russett. Russett Potato Wilson. In fact, Russett is playing so well, I might have to drop the potato gloss. Because he no longer looks like a sack of potatoes out there. Now, I'm not saying he looks like prime Russ in Seattle. He's not that. But... He also looks much better than that sack of potatoes in cleats that he was previously. Believe it or not, this dude actually has a better passer rating than C.J. Stroud right now. 
And really, nobody is playing better than Stroud. You could almost say, Broncos country, Broncos country that you're ride. finally riding. Let's ride. You're finally riding with Russett. And how about ride. Sean Payton? Got to give Sean Payton some credit for taking this team into Buffalo and grinding out that comeback win in prime time, no matter how it looked. And for doing it straight off beating Kansas City. And for running off three dubs in a row when it looked like Denver was headed right off the nearest cliff. Ever since that utter and historic decimation in Miami, this has been a different football team. They're 4-2 and two since that utter and historic decimation in Miami. There is actual, tangible progress being made in Denver. Got to acknowledge that. Have to give them credit. Because it's the exact opposite feeling that they have there from what the mafia has right now. You know what always makes everything better, though? Like I said yesterday, like I always say, I'm here to make things better. I'm the guy that looks at the glass being half full. I'm looking for the positive in everything. You know what makes things better? Well, besides me. You know what makes everything better? Social media drama. And you know what's even better than social media drama? Digs family drama. I love these guys. I really do. It really was the perfect ending to that bleep storm last night when Trayvon Diggs, who's out for the year, Trayvon Diggs hopped onto the X to take up for his bro Steph by doing this. Quote, man, 14, got to get up out of there. At Trayvon Diggs. On the X, quote, man, 14, got to get up out of there. Oh, oh. But then again, like they said, same bleep, different day. Horrible late game coaching, totally out of control quarterbacking, and drama with the star wide receiver. Same as it ever was, which is why I'm pretty curious. Where are you at, Mafia? Are you in shock? Are you furious? Are you confused? Are you despondent? Are you resigned to your fate? As always is the answer, yes. I want to hear from you today. Even if you have all reached Rick in Buffalo level rage. Because unless I'm mistaken, unless this is a national holiday, he can't break away from his post in school. So you got to call instead. Are you feeling this level of rage? I called for McDermott's head after the playoff loss against KC. But now I'm demanding for it. And how in the hell does the head coach not grab every single DB by the face mask before that fourth and 18 prayer and scream, knock it down or pack your effing bags. Time for me to throw on the headset, Jim. I'll turn this damn thing around in a friggin' flash. Now you'll have to forgive me for my raspy voice, Jim. I spent all day at the stadium yesterday yelling at people, most notably Bill's offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. This idiot calls plays like he's hammered, playing Super Tecmo Bowl at 3 in the morning. Okay, Josh, drop back, heave it as far as you can, and we'll pray for a miraculous leaping catch. Hey, Waldo, feel free to mix in a crossing route, well-designed screen, or anything else that doesn't take three years to develop. Is any of that wrong? Like, he could have made that call this morning and got racked, and it would have been a great call. Except he made that call months ago. Listen, forget about a Vince Lombardi trophy. 
another loss like that, and why wouldn't there be another loss like that? Because it keeps happening over and over again. That's my whole point. Why are they not fixing this? So there will be another loss like that, Mafia. You know there will. Another bad loss like that, and it's coming. Then you're that much closer to a Caleb Williams or a Drake May lottery ticket. I'm not saying you replace Josh Allen. Far from it. I'm just saying you'll be in position to get a lottery ticket, to do what you want. And if that's too ridiculous, kind of ridiculous. maybe you take a Marvin Harrison Jr. flyer. You know, what with Stefan, if he follows his bro's advice and he, quote, gets up out of there. And if you think Stefan's brother had a change of heart a day later, like it was just a heat of the moment X that he thumbed out, think again. Trayvon X'd, quote, let's not forget, he didn't start going off till bro got there. End of quote. Hey, Bill's fan, the team that just beat you, although improved, that team, though, the Dolphins dropped a 70-burger on them. Good luck making any sense of that. <sighs> Mafia, same, where are you at? Same place, different day. Same place, different day, and that was opening week. Ten weeks later, where does that leave you? Same place, different day. <sighs> same place. <sighs> <sighs> five and five, just another team. Looking for an offense coordinator. Got to have a fall guy. McDermott got you his got fall to have guy. A fall guy in the crew. And that's how hot that seat is for McDermott. Just broke off Dorsey. Now what? Super Bowl. <sighs> they don't look like a playoff team. You can't win the Lombardi if you don't make the playoffs. And from the looks of things, they're not going to make the playoffs. Not playing the way they're playing right now. 1-800-636-8686. Man, things are so weird. I would have never, ever thought that I would do an opening block like that this season on the Buffalo Bills. Yet here we are. Here are the bleep we are. Here we are. All right, some other topics today. Michigan man, I really would like to stop talking about you, but Michigan scandal continues to escalate. There's no way around it. Hey, half fam. Let's talk about Bill Belichick. Man, it is open season on the hood. People are just getting in line to blast this guy in the proverbial stick. It's incredible. People coming out of the woodwork. (laughs) You probably know who I'm talking about. I don't want to give it up. I don't want to have a spoiler alert on this one. But the latest is the greatest. I love who took the latest shot at the hood. And what she, she, had to say. And we'll have that for you, too. All right, so once again, telephone number is toll-free, 1-800-636-8686. Some reaction to the open when we come back. Bill's Mafia, you know I need your reaction. Christian Okoye coming up at 940. Levante David coming up at 11. Gas, groceries, utilities, you name it. Pretty much the price of everything is going up. Look around you. If you're stuck in a bad timeshare... With rising maintenance fees, the financial burden can be crushing. That can create a lot of anxiety. It's time to get your finances in order and get the real facts about that timeshare that you may not be stuck in, but think you are. 
It's time to find out what your options are to get rid of it. Chuck McDowell, the founder of Wesley Financial Group, has been helping families out of horrible timeshares for over a decade now and has put together a complete timeshare exit information kit that he will send you absolutely free. To date, over 30,000 families have trusted Wesley Financial Group to help them out of financial hardship by getting them out of these bad timeshares. They might be able to help you too. To get the facts about how the timeshare industry works and what your options are for cancellation, simply call Wesley right now for your free timeshare exit kit. See how you can become timeshare free. Number is 800 462 3333 You're listening to the Jim Rome Show. So, Mafia, I laid it all out in the open. Those are my thoughts. I want your thoughts. You're living it. You're right there. Year after year after year after year. Then it all changed. Then you were right there on the verge. This close to a Lombardi. Then 13 seconds. And then all downhill. New and dramatic ways to lose games over and over and over again. And now you look up and what? You're a 500 team. Just another team. Let's go find out what it's like. Let's go to Orchard Park. David in Orchard Park, you are first up. David, what's up? How you feeling? Jim, thanks for the vine. Let me tell you, I don't even know where to begin. Let's go right over to the NFL games this past weekend. New England puts six points on the board against the Colts, and they had their high score against us, 29 points. Case number two, Stroud, a rookie quarterback, goes into Cincinnati. They put up close to 500 total yards offense on the Bengals, and we looked like crap last week against the Bengals. Jacksonville gets blown out at home, a team that we can't even beat in London, let alone in Jacksonville. This game last night was an absolute, utter disgrace. National TV, three night games against three mediocre teams on Sunday night football, Thursday night football, and Monday night football, and we've looked like crap every single time in these games. Let's face it, Mayfield's bomb in the end zone. If Godwin would have turned around, we would have lost that game. They let Taron Johnson get away with a uh, uh, – foul on uh, Waller in the end zone in the Giant game. We should have lost that game. Absolute disgrace last night. There were so many fans leaving that stadium early because they had to be to work the next day or go to school the next morning. Thank God I have a night job. It's absolutely despicable that you lose. And let's face it, McDermott, he used Heath Farwell as a scapegoat after the 13-second game, the special teams coordinator. He's gone. He butted heads with Dable last year. Dable decided to go take the Giants' job. He and Fraser didn't get it long toward the end, and all of a sudden your defensive coordinator says, well, I think I'm just going to go join the NFL Network and become an analyst. Come on. McDermott, it's, he's almost like Marvin Lewis. How many years does Cincinnati have to endure Marvin Lewis going every year, we're going to win the division, we're going to win the playoffs, and we do nothing? McDermott took this team as far as they could go when they had the 13-second game against the Chiefs. It's been going downhill all long. Last night you saw an ascending Broncos team and a descending Bills team. He used Dorsey as a scapegoat. If they don't get rid of McDermott at the end of the year, unexcusable. You have 12 men on the field during a field goal? Come on. And you saw the guy jumping up and down. I think he was the 12th man. To me, it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, and you have to be there live to see it. 
it was you know, people were walking out, Jim, saying we wasted our money. We can't believe we wasted our money on another national TV disgrace. It was absolutely inexcusable. My man, rack him. That's an incredible phone call. Rack I mean, he him. just summed up the entire season. In fact, he just summed up the last several seasons. That was an incredible phone call. Mafia, this is what I've come to expect from you. That was so much better than anything I saw on the field last night. That's a great performance right there. That's somebody doing their job. That's somebody executing when you have to. David in Orchard Park. Nice job, dude. So well done. So well executed. You're much better at your job than McDermott is at his right now. 1-800-636-8686. He's running out of guys to scapegoat. He's running out of fall guys. He's running out of excuses. Why does he keep happening? How can this team be that undisciplined under him? How do you lose a game with 12 men on the field? A game that you shouldn't have won anyway. <sighs> Ross Tucker said it best. What is going on? What are we looking at here? 12 men what on the field? What is going on right now? Oh. What is going on right oh now is right. Oh my goodness, on the Bills, the penalty. Mafia, you have got to be beside yourselves. You have to. Since when do Bills fans leave games early and say, we have to go to school, we have to go to work? Since when? Since when? Since never. All right, when we come back, there will be plenty of time for that. If you're a Bills fan, I'm here. I'm here for all of it. Vent it out, man. Christian Okoye is going to join me next. Levante David, top of our number three right now, though. Here is a sports update for you. Here's Andrew. Live from Southern California. This is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. I am Jim Rome. Once again, Bills fans, I know you're not happy. I'm here for you. Hit me up. First things first, though, we are joined right now by a former NFL running back. He played six seasons for the Kansas City Chiefs. He led the NFL in rushing in 1989 with 1,480 yards, a two-time Pro Bowler, a two-time All-Pro. Also inducted into the Chiefs Hall of Fame in the year 2000, he is the author of a new autobiography. It's called The Nigerian Nightmare, My Journey Out of Africa to the Kansas City Chiefs and Beyond. We are joined right now by Christian Okoye. Christian, it's been a minute, the proverbial minute. How are things, my guy? What's going on? Uh, everything is going on, man. I'm great. I'm great. I'm blessed. It's good to see you again. It's been a long time. It has been a long time. It's great to see you. You look great. So let me get your thoughts. I've thought about writing a book myself for years. I've never actually gotten around to it. You did so. Congrats on that. How long had you been thinking about it? And why was it the right time for you to finally tell your story? Well, it's, it, it took a long time. and People have been uh, asking me to write a book that I have a great story to tell. Uh, coming from Nigeria and going through everything that I went through and then ending up in uh, <clears throat> in football, Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, achieving all that I've achieved. You know, I am blessed. So people have been asking me to write a book, and uh, I didn't know where to start until about six years ago I spoke to a guy who says, hey, you know, I can help you out. Uh, but it took about about 11 months 
you know, for us to put this together. Christian Okoye is joining us. I mean, that's part of the problem, right? You got to put that thing together. But your journey, your story that people have been wanting you to tell, it really is so unique. Like, how would you describe your childhood growing up in Nigeria as that nation was torn apart by a civil war? What was that like for you? It was it was very difficult. But, you know, as a child, you don't know how difficult it was. We were just having a great time. But, um, you know, um, I was, uh, I think it was five years old when, uh, when the civil war broke out. Um, so it was a very difficult time for the family and for for my hometown, you know, running from one place to another just to avoid the war front. And uh, seeing all that we saw that kids shouldn't see. Um, I tell you, every time I stand in front of kids here in America, I tell them, I said, uh, you know, you haven't seen war. <laughs> you know, uh, it's so difficult to go through war. It's not easy. Everything is just life is not easy during war. Uh, sometimes you have to go through uh, days without food because um, your whole life is thrown apart. Krishna Koye is joining us. You know, as I mentioned, the journey is so unique. Ultimately, how did you get to America? And then how did you land at tiny Azusa Pacific University, which is here in Southern California and has an undergraduate population of maybe 3,700 students? <laughs> not, even, not even that. Um, Azusa Pacific is so small, but I got there through another friend, Innocent Egbunike, who went to 80 Olympics. We were friends back in Nigeria, running track uh, together for my state. Uh, so when he set off to come to America in 1981, I told him that I would love to come so I can train to be in the 84 Olympics. That was my purpose. And uh, I eventually came in 82 when he walked it out with my track coach, Terry Francis, to come. Um, again, the tuition scholarship. And uh, when I came, I was training. My goal was to be in the 84 Olympics. But when that time came, of course, uh, Nigeria didn't take me. And I was heavily disappointed. Um, but, but before that time, people had been asking me to play football. I didn't know anything about football. I decided I'm going to play football then when I couldn't go to the Olympics. And that's how I started playing. All right. So when you started to play, I mean, for instance, how much did you know about the game? And the first time you saw football, what did you think about it? I thought it was I thought it was crazy, boring. Uh, I, my friend Innocent took me to a football game, my school football game. Uh, first, he says, "Christian, let's go see a football game." I uh, I said, "Okay." I thought he was talking about soccer. You see, so when we got up there, uh, these guys came out and you know shoulder pads, and I didn't know what they were wearing. I told him, I said, uh, "Man, these guys are huge." He said, "No, no, no, they're wearing pads." I said, "What does that mean?" He said, "Just watch." And then I watched, they warmed up, game started, and, uh, you know, they all huddle up and talked amongst each other and line up and hit each other. And then whistle blows. I said, man, this is boring. Let's get out of here. <laughs> and um, uh, I never watched another football game until I decided to get into it. It's incredible. Krishna Koye joining us. It's such a funny story. It really is amazing. Listen, I think you you and I over the years, we've talked about this, but I want to reset this. I'll tell you about Azusa Pacific and how small that school is. When I went to UC Santa Barbara and then I stayed there afterwards and I did some broadcasting work, Christian, we had a club football team. We had a club football team and I want to say we only had it for one year. This was not a NCAA Division football team, yet somehow, someway, Azusa Pacific ended up on our schedule and I will never forget you coming in and <laughs> running roughshod over our clubbers. Do you by any chance remember that day? Yes, of course I remember going up to Santa Barbara. It, uh, it was one of those days I think uh, I was still kind of iffy about football, not sure if I was going to continue playing or not. But 
uh, friends were encouraging me to keep on going and playing, that I was doing better and better each game. So, But I do remember going to Santa Barbara. Uh, but I went to Santa Barbara a lot as a track guy. Yeah, I went up there to compete against uh, you guys, throwing the discus and shot put and, and the hammer. Uh, but eventually came out there to play football. All right, so this whole thing about you being a track guy is really amazing. Chris DeCoya joining us. He's got a brand new autobiography out telling his amazing story. The thing about you being a track guy is so amazing, of course, is because of your size. You were always such a unique athlete. Like, for instance, they listed you at 260 in the NFL. You always looked so much bigger to me than that. What was your playing weight, actually? And then how much did you enjoy taking on linebackers in the open field? Well, you know, one of the reasons why I was so confident when I played was because of my size. I was I was big. I, I weighed uh, 265 pounds, and uh, uh, when you weighed me with all my pads on, I would I weighed over 300 pounds. You see, so um, and I had the speed and the strength and the stamina. So that's that's the confidence that I had um, going against those guys. I wasn't scared at all. I wasn't uh, because I knew that I was bigger than most of them especially the DBs, you know, even though some of them were big. But uh, my size uh, gave me the confidence. You know, that said, because of your running style, it was so punishing, you did pay a price. You paid a price physically for it. I'm curious, how much pain were you dealing with when you retired at the age of 31 after the 1992 season? Well, a lot. You know, since uh, starting football, I have gone through 12 surgeries, you know, so... Uh, it, 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 you know, you pay your price playing football, but uh, I often get asked, would you do it again? Of course, I'll do it again because playing the NFL is one of those things that few people get to do. You know, millions of people want to play in the NFL, and I'm one of those guys that was chosen to play. Um, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. So I ain't going to complain at all. You know, I wonder, like I've talked to so many athletes over the years and they talk about the transition to life after sports being so challenging because that's been their identity, right? That's the thing they've done their entire lives. As you point out, you started playing the game much later in life and you were never fully defined. I mean, you appreciated it and we're grateful for it, but we're not fully defined by the sport itself. What was the transition like for you once you left the game? Was it easier because of that? It was so easy, Jim. I tell you, I walked into where uh, Marty Schoenheimer's office. I said, Coach, I, I don't think I'm going to play anymore. He said, what? You're only 31 years old. You still have a few years left. I said, no, Coach, I think I'm done. I said that you actually extended my career in football because I, when I got into NFL, I told myself I was going to play four years and, and get out of there. But Marty came and they gave me a new contract and I was able to stay and accomplish the, thing, the things that I accomplished. So because of him, I was able to play a few more years, and uh, he extended my career. Um, but it was so easy for me to leave because I didn't grow up playing football. Uh, I'm not like some of these guys that were playing uh, when they were like five years old and pop one and things like that. So uh, I got tired of football quick, very, very fast. And you were in pain, and that's something else. So, Christian, what's it mean to you? Like, having said all that, I'm curious, what was it like when you arrived in Missouri? They made you a second-round draft pick out of Azusa Pacific. And what's it mean to you to be a part of their Hall of Fame, the Chiefs Hall of Fame? It means a lot. It means a lot, especially coming from Nigeria and uh, uh, playing organized football just for three years before I was drafted by the Chiefs. You know, my story is just one of those that you never hear about. You know, coming from Azusa Pacific, I was only was uh, exposed to the rest of the NFL when I was invited to the Senior Bowl. And I got there and I scored four touchdowns and everybody saw me and the Chiefs came calling. But, you know, when I got to the Kansas City Chiefs, um, I was labeled a project. 
you know, Kansas City Chiefs drafted a project. They're going to teach him football before he can actually play. But, you know, I uh, proved everybody wrong because I knew in order for me to make the team, in order for me to be on the field, I have to know exactly what I was about to do. Uh, so I decided to study my playbook to know uh, where to be when a play is called. And then from there, my teammates, my teammates helped me out a great deal as far as, you know, how to run the ball, what to do when people get, get uh, tackle me and things like that. And what I did also to help myself was uh, to be a student of the game. I started uh, all the other greats that played before me. Jim Brown was one of them that I scored. I studied his, uh, his uh, videos. Jim Teller was another guy. Walter Payton, Earl Campbell, Eric Dickerson, some of these guys. I watched him not to run like them, but to learn about what they're thinking, their demeanor, uh, as far as the game is concerned. And that helped me a great deal. Well, man, you not only have one of the most interesting stories ever, you have one of the most interesting minds ever. I am so glad, Christian, that you wrote this book, number one, because it is such a great story, and number two, it gave you and I a chance to get caught up really quickly. I would imagine our listeners can get this book wherever they get their books. I'm sorry, say it again? They can get the book wherever they get their books? Oh, yeah, they can go to uh, Amazon and uh, type in Nigeria Nightmare or go to ChristianOkoye.com to get uh, a signed copy. Oh, better yet. I love that. Christian Okoye, two-time Pro Bowler, member of the Chiefs Hall of Fame, led the league in rushing in 1989, my friend. It's so great to get caught up with you. Thank you very much. Congrats on that book, Christian. Thank you, Jim. Thank you so much for having me, and it's good to see you again. God bless you. So great to see you, my man. All class. That was so fun. Christian Okoye, I am so glad we did that. Hour number two coming up next. Don't go anywhere.